a big-time wide receiver in the NFL. My next guest is a six-time Pro Bowler, 2012 All-Pro, and the host of the I Am Athlete podcast. He is eligible for the NFL Hall of Fame in 2023, but right now he is my guest on the episode of Think About It. He is Brandon Marshall. Hi, Brandon. Welcome to season two of Think About It. I'm so happy that you're here. One of my favorite things is to get to know people I've never met before and have an open conversation about. And it's something that you've been doing for a really long time. So I'm really excited to to start our chat yes. and, you know, take it wherever we, we kind of feel like it. So I, welcome. I love it. I appreciate you having me. You know, we're in an interesting space right now where, you know, it's it's the time for the creators. So being yeah. able to to have our own conversations on our terms is, is an extremely uh, interesting time. Yes, yeah. and something that comes with a heavy pressure, right? To, be, yeah. to being that role model and um, being open to criticism, something that you've experienced a lot in your mm -hmm. career, I've experienced and still do. And I wanted to ask you from that perspective, from your college, uh, college years going into NFL, being you know, on the spotlight so much, and then transitioning into a space where a lot of your peers, a lot of other athletes in other sports get lost. The sport has defined us as athletes. Yeah. And obviously there's been so many along the, the journey that's broken through and, and said, no, we want more, we are more. Yeah. We have to always challenge ourselves. It's like, no, who am I today? Yeah. Right? How am I growing? Yeah. I compete, but I also, I'm into media. Yeah. Or I'm into art. I'm into fashion. I'm a mom. I'm a yeah. father. I'm yeah. a husband. I'm a wife. Yeah. Right? There's so much more to the athlete today. So I think we have an amazing opportunity to continue to redefine yeah. what an athlete is. Yeah. Can you expand a little bit more on in 2011 when you were mm. able to really go out there and talk about your struggles? Wow. Um, so 10 years and almost six months ago, it was my first like, you know, time back in front of the media. Mm -hmm. um, I played in the NFL for 13 years yeah. and I played at an extremely high level and um, all pro, pro bowl. Some people may say that I have Hall of Fame numbers. And, you definitely um, do, by the way. Well, I, <laughs> and I, I just, I highlight this, you know, because it, it's a part of this story. And I spent three months at McLean Hospital. I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. The best way to describe borderline personality disorder is emotional disorder, right? Something can happen in this room and uh, we all feel it. It's valid. It provokes a lot of emotion. But someone who's living with borderline personality disorder that's not treated or dealt with, it may take them longer to get back down the baseline, right? Mm -hmm. So when I first got there, I had to go through a clinical evaluation. I had to go through a, through a neurological evaluation to see what was going on. Mm -hmm. Through that, they said, Brandon, this is what we believe you are dealing with. And I entered in this program and uh, we began to work Monday through Friday. You know, I was on the campus of McLean Hospital from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. in self-assessment. It's a mm -hmm. form of group therapy, mentalization therapy. A lot of people think black and white. They don't have the, 
the skills and tools to be able to self-regulate or have the rationale to be able to process. So I had to go through mentalization therapy. That's another form of group therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, one-on-one with the great Dr. Gunderson. And it totally changed my life. Football was my plan A, my plan B, my plan C. It defined who I was. Mm -hmm. Halfway through that, that program is when I finally realized why God put me on this earth. He put me on this earth to help bridge the gap in the mental health community. I knew that. I knew that the football field was now my platform. I knew that playing in front of 70,000 people live, 4 million people tuned in, that that was my opportunity to stand up and say, listen, yes, I am this great football player, but let me tell you about this hundred, these 100 million Americans that are personally dealing with something, whether anxiety, bipolar, borderline, depression, or just they don't know how to deal with stress. What makes us great, what makes us a part of the 1% of the world, me and you, right, and so many other athletes, is our ability to mask pain, our ability to pick ourselves up from failure. Yeah. Like we are great at rebounding from failure. We fail more than we actually succeed. Well, that's our practice. That's that's, right. that's That's what from, you know, when you were six years old, wanted to be a football player, I was seven years old. I was, you know, at eight or nine years old, I was playing in my uh, living room in my uh, in the apartment where it was literally shaped almost like a tennis court, at least in my imagination. <laughs> I thought it was, I was playing in Wimbledon against Steffi Graf, and that was what I thought. Nobody taught me. You know how many people can learn from that? Yeah. That's visualization training. Emotional practice is I started doing it when I was 24 years old. Mm. So from seven to, to that, it was about reaching goal in tennis, about you know getting the result there. And it came at a very heavy price. You know, I talked about this particular moment in 2020 because it was the first time I went on the court after the pandemic break and I was enjoying myself. Like, I'm 31 years old with all the titles, and people are uh, like, how, what are you talking about? What about when you were winning Grand Slam? I was like, yeah, it was nice. I mean, it was great, mm -hmm. but people only remember the win. They don't remember everything else with it. Right. And I said, I've never enjoyed myself truly like where I can sit down and say, I actually, like, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. And it was like, a, you know, a shocking th news and then at the same time it was like well what is the secret you know what is the secret of you finally enjoying it's, it's not about a secret it's about you know going there and having these conversations with with yourself about like what's really important for me there there is a secret you, let's share it with them like we know this as athletes we're t we're part of that one percent the secret is mindfulness mm -hmm. is being present yeah. The most powerful place that we can be in is present. That's what makes us great as athletes. But we hone so much into the skill and the mastering of our craft that we're not really enjoying the process. Yes. Everybody's focused on the destination yes. and at the journey. So for you, you know, that happened recently. And for me, it was probably uh, when I was like 29. And it was after McLean Hospital when I start reading more about monks and mindfulness and meditation where I was like, holy shit, like 
it's about this is this is the best part yeah out here 110 degrees you know i dropped the ball but just that want to of like let me try it again let me get it again yeah like that's what makes it great is the yeah. process is the journey we are in these positions because we're able to you know just deal with stress and still perform at extremely high level whether it's finance financial stress relationship you know career goals success failure but what happens is where we place ourselves on a pedestal others place us on a pedestal so now we become gladiators and we're not supposed to show any signs of weakness yeah. and to me while we're redefining what athlete is to me that is the athlete being vulnerable being real being transparent naomi osaka standing up and saying you know i deal with social anxiety mm-hmm. and seeing that raw emotion is speaking to the other 15 million americans maybe 50 million or 100 million worldwide that are dealing with the same thing. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's this judgment that comes from this generation to this generation and then the younger generation and our generation don't understand them. Like right. we're like why would you why would you say that? Right. Like that's not considering that's not compassion. That's not what's going to help mm-hmm. somebody to 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 be that. So we have you know coaches like in your team when you you had coaches that are older and they they have their uh way of teaching is like no pain no gain i hate that stuff <laughs> right i right. F- <laughs> hate this sentence what do you mean no pain no gain right. it's not pain it doesn't mean that it's going to make you grow challenges and stuff you right. know how you approach those challenges that's going to make you grow but not necessarily going through was pain. that the number one uh uh like saying in sports like for like Uh, 50 60 years I had a t-shirt I know I had a we a t-shirt <laughs> no pain no gains I right. think is one of my favorite t-shirts Hold on listen that's so cool that you said that Training for the biggest moment of my career the transition from college to the NFL combine training I'm out in Arizona Brett Fisher legendary athletic performance coach And I remember going to the hill one day out there in Phoenix and I'm running up a hill And in the heat in the heat once. I've, i've i've been in You've training been in, in phoenix oh my goodness it's brutal but <laughs> yeah. but here's the deal i didn't feel any pain after this one particular workout yeah and i went to brett after i said i need to do extra and all i kept thinking about i'm not in pain i do not hurt yeah. i need to do more yeah and he looked at me he said brandon let me ask you a question he said have you ever been to the congo i said no i've never been to the congo and he said i have let me navigate you through that Mm-hmm. Right? I literally was all wrapped up into I got to feel the pain. Yeah. You know, that's the only way I'm going to accomplish my goals. Yeah. And I was totally wrong. A lot of things are come, let's say, easy for me to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's and I'm grateful for that, but when something doesn't work, you're like, "Oh my god, I'm not good enough. I mm-hmm. may not want to" you know kind of try that right but we still condition ourselves to failure but at the same time when you become successful that failure becomes bigger right like mm, you you are right. you become so conservative of not want, wanting to fail because you you know what success is and that's you're right. getting into this ways of, of doing that i tell my the younger generation the younger athletes this people to approach failure and success the same way they're both bad 
just be present, be mindful. That's what I always say, just approach it the same way. Yeah. You know, you can't lose and drop your head, right? You can't win and hang from the rafters. Yeah. You know, you just gotta be present, you gotta be mindful. Of course, you're supposed to celebrate. Of course, what makes us great is understanding and, you know, okay, I took an L here, I lost here. What can I learn from that? You know, and there's emotions attached to that. But like, there's a lot of athletes you see, it's like they're pouting when they lose, it breaks them. And then the same thing when they win. And, and that's not the way. I've never, never talked about, because it recently happened, I played a tournament in Miami. And before Miami, I start to feel like I'm just, I just don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to play because I felt like I had to. Mm. You know, I had to go through it. I had to go through this pain, through uh, stick it out. You're like not to take a break because there's important tournaments come. I have to be there. I have to be there. And you learn about yourself on the go. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be something you learn more about yourself and adaptive. And you got to adapt. And I thought that I was strong enough right. to go through it. And I wasn't. I wasn't right. ready. I kept telling everybody, I, can't, I don't want to play. Like, pl and I was hoping somebody was going to stop me. Right, 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 right. And nobody did. Right. And I was the most alone I felt on the court. Right. I'm looking, and it's a viral clip right now because I walked off the court. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Take me back to that moment. Right, like, how did you feel? And why is it so, like, it feels real to you right now? Yeah, it is. Why? My son gave me this little card, uh, Mama, do your best, mm. right? And I was like, I have to do my best. I have to do, but my best in that moment was not what I could do that day. It was my best of the very, very best. That's how I judged that moment. That's what I felt like I had to do. And it put a lot of pressure on me. And the second point was, uh, there's this boy, his name is Luke. He's one of the cutest kids, the most polite kid, and he's a really big fan of mine. So I got to know him better. I got to know his family well, and he's been coming to New York to see my matches. He's been coming to other tournaments. And I wanted, to and he, I knew he was going to come to that match. Mm -hmm. And I was like, do I just give up in that moment or not? So I thought about everybody else. I mean, you see, I'm, I'm, I'm going through it because I'm going to cry because it is real. And I want people to understand that those moments are much more significant in somebody's life than what you see. Mm. And I went on the court and I'm playing and all I think about is like, I just want to leave, but I can't. Like, I don't know if I can do it. I'm, and I was, I'm looking at everybody's like, please let, like get me out of here. But nobody's gonna do it, you know? And I just decided in one moment, I have to go. Like, I have to go because I'll either have a panic attack on the court or I don't know what's gonna happen to me. So I have to leave. Right. And I left and I was, I was to the point where, you know, I was driving in my car and I was like, I have to be safe enough to not hurt myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's how powerful that moment was for me. Wow. And, but what drove me to do that is, is like, is I understood that I lost that feeling 
of me being happy on the court. And I have to learn how to find it back. And that meant taking a break, taking a break and understanding, living through this feeling, working through this feeling, talking about this moment because it will have to be there. Because what was the, this was what was the most powerful part of that moment? What did you, what was the biggest takeaway for you? I think the biggest takeaway was that I was strong enough to do what's best for me. <laughs> I think that's, that's something that I will look back and I'll, I think I'm, gonna, I'm learning from that moment. So I don't want to take it as a regret. But I think and I hope this moment maybe will help somebody else not to be in the same situation as I was. Right. And that's power in it. Let's say, let's Google your name right now. And uh, what comes up is, it's like someone said unacceptable. Yeah. Drops out. Yeah. It says disrespectful. That's what the media's narrative is, not knowing everything that went into this moment. Yeah. They don't understand all of this. So this is like a extremely powerful moment for you to, to highlight this yeah. because you're gonna help so many other people. You're a hero because you're actually, you're humanizing us. So thank you so much for being vulnerable yeah. on your show. <laughs> right. Right? Like, I seriously, wasn't expecting to do that today. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because like this is exactly what we were talking about when we are talking about mental health is like, you know, we see you, it's like, holy, that's, that's her, mm -hmm. right? Oh my goodness, world, number one in the world, yeah. you know? Pro for 18 years and to see you open up it's like, you're, and I don't know where you're at with this, but there's so many times I travel around the world and people are like, you saved my life, thank you, because yeah. of what you said. Like literally, like you saved my life. Yeah. Those are the moments that make all, everything worth for me. Right. It's not the titles, not the anything, not, not anything is the, first of all, the kids also, right. who look up to me and be like, I wanna be like that. And I always say, no, be better. Mm. Don't be like me, be better. I just want to say thank you, you know, for creating this space, creating this platform for us to have like these real conversations. Yeah. You were making me emotional <laughs> going back to like those moments, man. And it's just, you know, we're in an awesome position. And I just, you know, I would just challenge you on your show <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to, you know, just continue to lean into those moments. It's like, man, your son is seeing you play. Why isn't it, why can't we just accept that we just have a bad day? Yeah. Meaning like, there was a trigger for me one moment where I, I always felt like I had to be on when I walked into the facility. Yeah. Everybody's watching. Yeah. Even when it wasn't a game time, it's like all the coaches, all the trainers, the players, your teammates, you're just watching like, how, what's the mood? How are you gonna respond to us? You have, you have to be perfect. Yeah. Every single day. And then, Something clicked, it was like, I'm not perfect. I'm not okay. Yeah. And it was so freeing to me because I would actually walk into the facility, freaking marriage, wife, family, mom, dad, you know, other stresses, bodies hurting. And I'm like, I don't have it today. And I would walk and people like, you know, Brandon, how you doing today? <laughs> hey, good morning. I'm like, hey, morning. I don't feel good, but hey, how you doing? Yeah. With a smile on my face because it was freeing for me to tell somebody it wasn't okay. I, I, I felt good walking in and, and someone asked me, you're okay? I'm like, nope, not okay. Shit is really stressful right now, but I'm here. 
Yeah. You know, and then I I, I, I learned when I was honest with people, especially like in that circle, because I really didn't care about the outside circle. They gave me, you know, the space to not be okay. Yeah. What I hear a lot is this one is, well, you signed up for it. Mm. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't sign up for none of this shit. Right, right. I didn't sign up for none of this shit because when I was seven-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, I was like, oh, yeah, well, that's what I'm signing up for right, right, is social right. media shit. Right. Like, no, there was no social media. I didn't sign up for being bullied. Mm -hmm. I didn't sign up for being called names. I that's didn't right. sign up for people to wish, you know, horrible, the most horrendous things on you, on your family. Like, right, right. That doesn't come with the job. It's and traumatizing. I think, yeah. You see tension between the NBA players and fans walking out, cursing them, calling them names. Yeah. It's like, no, that's not okay. Hold them accountable as well. Exactly. You know, why do we need to continue to see not only you, I don't care about this. Like, I'm, there's there's a hundred athletes right now going through this. Thousands. Right. Thousands. Right. Yeah. Right. Every single day. And you you said absolutely right. It's like everybody have bad days. Mm -hmm. But as an athlete, you have to be always mm -hmm. on. I believe that athletes are entertainers. And, That's right. and And it's very important for the engagement with fans. But it has to be in, in, in respectful manner. You don't just go to somebody in the, I don't know, on the street and cuss them out right. and be like, okay, well, there's no repercussion. We have to continue to have these conversations, and by us having these conversations, we're really, we're really changing the landscape, and uh, we're holding people accountable. So, you fans, <laughs> no more. No, we love you guys. We we are entertainers. We love you guys. We appreciate yeah. it. But we're human. Yeah. We're human. Yeah. How about college athletes finally getting paid? Oh wow! Like that's. I mean, I can't even understand how a coach of a football team in the university can get paid $7 million a year. Seven? Yeah. There's some getting paid 10, 12 now. Well, there you go. Yeah. See, I have an old new, yeah, right. 12. What's really, I think, sad is that percentage of these athletes making it to the professional level where they're able yeah. with that skill to make to make money that will set them up That's for right. life and they're giving up their health they're giving up their time and family's time their resources mm -hmm. to even be able to go into college the amount of resources they cast there and then also yeah you can say like you know free education but at the same time the commitment that you know we have to make and it's really no option you don't really have time like you know a lot of these athletes go to these schools and they're like yeah that you know that business degree that you want to do or you want to be an engineer you don't have time for that yeah so how am i setting myself up to actually have a life after my career yeah you know because there's only a handful of us that actually make it to the next level so how are you putting me in position to take advantage of this free education yeah it's a game changer now, this nil name image likeness, you know, this whole law that was passed and, you know, you're seeing athletes, you know, really participate in it. But I think we have to be careful because now what they're saying is the wild, wild west, like, okay, athlete, you can go uh, monetize and capitalize off of your name image likeness, but why aren't we participating in the TV rights? Yeah. It's to me, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a band-aid yeah. because 
What about the SEC that 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 media deal that they did with ESPN? Okay, that's 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 music to my ears because we're going through exactly that in Tennessee to understand the governing body, and it's like here here's little piece, enjoy right. that. Because we are great, we are so generous to give you this little part. So you should be because you didn't have that before. So you should be right. should be happy about it. I'm like, no, I don't want this little piece. I want to understand the whole mm. thing and have a percentage and ownership and in, in athletes to understand that we there should be partnerships. You think we'll ever see uh, women's sports, um, or, you know, given the same opportunities as? Uh, the, the men's sports and leagues? I hope that if we teach our kids to understand that, they are going to be the generation that's going to advocate for that. Because I feel like we are starting it, and, and not, we are the, not we are the pioneers. There's right. been many, right. many people in tennis. Billie Jean King is our hero. Yeah, right, yeah. right. She's our hero. That's somebody who I look up to, not because of her titles, but what she has done for the sport. Mm -hmm. And I want to... Uh, continue to push that needle f further mm -hmm. and I think for me as a mom to teach my son how to n understand that that people are equal that's my job and I hope if people focus on on that it will, it will help to change the generation because we can't we can't change our parents right we can't right. change that stuff is the generation of us to start that right. to teach younger generation how to be better than mm -hmm. us and for them to move that yeah. forward. I want to ask you just seven questions that I ask everybody on my show. It's very short answered, okay. but it gets me to know you even even better than than after this right, <laughs> long right. okay. chat. Okay, okay. So are you ready for this? You're up to it? I think I'm ready. Okay. Okay. What is your favorite word? I would say details. Details. And I come, I do this as well, like details. Yeah, you're Italian? <laughs> yeah, details. <laughs> you know, details. This big. What is your least favorite word? No. No. I don't want, don't tell me no. Tell a team this all the time. If I come in here with the uh, idea, you know, I want to go to the deepest depths in the ocean, don't tell me I can't do it. Tell me how. Yeah. Let's find out how. Yeah. I don't want to hear no mm -hmm. at all. What is a one job besides what you do now or have done, you would love to be able to do? So I'll give a corny one, right? Like, I just think that, I mean, people know this. We talked about this, right? Like, I feel like my purpose on this planet is to help bridge the gap in the mental health community. So I would love to, you know, really lean more into that. Mm -hmm. I think my position in this whole thing is awareness and starting a conversation. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, on the fun side, um, I was like, I'm trying to get into modeling. Okay. <laughs> like my team is helping me with my swagger and my poses, right? Because like going to media and side Leslie now, we're doing you, some cool and things. And Leslie made you take off your glasses. Right. right? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm, thank you. <laughs> you see? Like yeah. I'm trying to find my swagger. I never yeah. did. I was, I'm always, I was corny. I was just like, <laughs> I never leaned into fashion. So it's like, I'm trying to find my angles and stuff. What is one job that you would never want to do? Politician. Yeah. Well, no, I can I can see myself being disruptive in that space. I think what was uncomfortable for me, and it's crazy because I do it, but it's, it was hard for me to go uh, traditional linear television yeah. uh, in sports, the way we talk about the athlete. That was very uncomfortable for me. Yeah. I'm doing it now. 
But even if I go back to that, right, like I got to do it on my terms. I just yeah. don't think that, the, you know, the way we we cover the athlete is unhealthy to yeah. our conversation earlier. Yeah. And that's why I left my five day a week show yeah. because I it's like the people that's covering these sports, they have their own agendas. And also, you know, like uh, the way we're talking about Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. But then I know you and your life, you have skeletons in your closet. I can't rock with that. Yeah. What is uh, one of uh, the qualities of people that attracts you? I like people that live a purpose-filled life or understand their purpose or searching for their purpose. Um, and, and then also like um, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. We're not perfect. And uh, being able for, you know, to look at yourself and, you know, apologize when you make a mistake, like self-awareness is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And what is one of the qualities that kind of turns you off of people? Egotistical. Oh, See, like you one. earlier in the show, you talked yeah. about entrepreneur. Like, yeah. that's a word for me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's my, yeah. my least favorite word. <laughs> okay. But even that, like, right, keep that in. Don't edit that out. Yeah. Right? Like, I, want, I like people who are humble. Okay. Right? And the last question is, let's say God exists and you mm -hmm. arrive at the pearly gate. What would you like God to tell you? Well done. Well done. You made the world better. Mine was welcome. Welcome. Yeah. I like that. Welcome. <laughs> Mine Why was welcome? welcome. Because, you know, you'll let me go to heaven. <laughs> I earned my way. Brandon, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for the rawness of this conversation. I've said that off camera, but I'm going to say it on camera. I knew before we start talking that this is going to be a great episode and I just can't wait for people to see, you know, this openness from both athletes, human beings, entrepreneurs, business people, right. just from really raw place that doesn't get talked about enough. So I really want to thank you for that. <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs>